The most important thing driving your behavior is your identity. And that's what we're talking about this week on the Kay and Shy Show. What the heck is it? Where did it come from? And how do we manage it once we know about it? All of that and more on this week's episode of the Kay and Shy Show. Get your IDs ready, because this week we're talking all about identity, not identity theft or anything (laughs) like that. But what is the purpose of identity and our understanding around it? Turns out identity and the idea of it is pretty complex. So I'm glad we have a full week to hash it out. So let's give a drum roll, please, for this week's definition. It's not a Kane Chai Show episode without a definition. Come on now. We're teachers. We are teachers at heart and in practice. The definition we are using today is actually the second listed definition. Uh, If you Google the definition of identity, it is the characteristics determining who or what a person or thing is. That is an ominous, very ominous, tremendous, (laughs) powerful, kind of vague sentence. Pretty vague. The characteristics determining who or what a person or thing is. So let's just, just because we're doing just people, the characteristics determining who a person is. Okay. The characteristics that determine who you are, that's just, it, it continues to be vague. But as we think about that and we think about reflecting on last week's topic of habits, those characteristics then end up being those demonstrated behaviors, those identifying behaviors and patterns of being that get attached to a person. Now, a characteristic, the definition is a feature or quality belonging to a person that then serves to identify it. So these are your features, your qualities, the parts of you that create who you are, your identity, the way that you handle issues gets influenced by your identity, the way that you love your partners or your family gets shaped by your identity, the way that you trust others or don't trust others gets shaped by your identity. Because this is the thing that the culmination of characteristics that makes you who you are. And this culmination of characteristics then influences every decision that you make and influences the way that you think. And we know that as we think, so we feel, as we feel, so we do, as we do, so we have. So remember that these things play in together, but the root of pretty much all of this comes down to your identity. I like how dictionary.com presents it in a way that's maybe a little bit more tangible. They say identity often refers to a person's sense of self, meaning how they view themselves as compared to other people, right? If you were to, to consider right now, what's my identity? You'd probably start with listing your roles, right? I'm a, I'm a mom, I'm a wife, I'm a student, I'm a teacher, uh, I'm a mechanic, I'm a daughter. Yeah. Your career. I, I'm a veteran. You start listing your roles, um, that your your likes. I'm a reader. I'm a runner. Mm-hmm. I'm a, your habits. Exactly right. Or the things that you like uh, um, uh, in terms of like your music or your pop culture, those kinds of things. And then and then geographically, right? I'm a Nevadan. Where are you located? So there's all these different components that come into it as you think about what creates that sense of self. It, it is very complex and a, a myriad of different characteristics 
politics and things. Now, the sense of self gets created and I'm going to drop a little bit of a truth bomb on you here. And this might be a little uncomfortable, especially if you're steeped inside personal growth and development, much like Shyla and I are and passionate about it. Now, here's the truth bomb for you. The identity that right now, those characteristics that are working, that are in play in your life, that influence how you think, that influence how you feel, that influence what you do, that influence what you have, those characteristics were not set in place by you. Chances are these characteristics have been programmed into you. If you've never taken an opportunity to consciously shift them. So if this is the first time you're ever encountering this information, which we've had a lot of newbies to this information recently, but if you listen to our podcast, maybe this is the second or third go around for you. But if this is the very first time ever, this realization is absolutely fascinating. And Shai, we get to watch hundreds of students every year go through the shattering of this realization in your sociology class. Well, uh, in Sociology 101, you get presented each week with a new topic that demonstrates to you a different aspect of society, of how we behave as a species and when we group together in societies. And a lot of what happens is patterns uh, begin to emerge and then we build institutions around those patterns and needs. And that like institutions like religion, like education, like healthcare systems, like governments, like your family, right? Like the, the institution of family for sure. And now those patterns then are being played out within in all of those institutional levels. And then as a little baby is born, they get programmed by all of those patterns and institutions that are around them, right? That's just it's your environment, it's your experience. It's not like some evil mastermind plan. This is just how our species works. And and so if you get to the ripe age of eighteen and you find yourself in Sociology 101 down at the University of Nevada, Reno, you start to encounter this idea for the first time. And then you see uh, it's what we like to boil it down to. They get to the point where they go, I'm just a social construct, man. <laughs> like, who even am I? Because you realize that you are 90% of people are going to be the same political affiliation that their parents were. 90% of people are going to live within a five mile radius of where they were born. 90% of people are going to go to schools that have people that look just like them that are homogenous in their makeup. And so when we think about those things, we realize that that's shaped who we are. If you love Lululemon and Starbucks and Disney, that's not just because you were born that way. That's because you were raised in an environment that was conducive to that and programmed to have that as your identity. Now, if you love that identity, cool. If you don't love some aspects of it, the best news is you can change it. Yes. So it might be your circumstance now, but it can be changed. And the power of identity, once it's understood, is really interesting because if your brain is a big, beautiful supercomputer, identity is like the software that gets programmed in it so that it can then go forward and run and do everything else in your life. And so if you have negative habits or negative tendencies, but we talked about habits last week, this is your opportunity to say where inside my identity is this habit taking place and is an identity shift needed and maybe where did this identity come from in the first place is this an identity or a characteristic that I have by choice or is this a characteristic that I want to unlearn in favor of something more constructive for my life now, once we be once we be able once we be able once we be able to examine this we really can take that power back and, and that's I think something that gets me so fired up and excited about being able to teach students this. And uh, if you're a student too, and we're students as we listen um, to to the topics as well, um, but thinking about this so that we can construct that identity to be who we want to be so that those characteristics are reflective of what we've chosen for our 
ourselves, not what we're defaulting to based on societal programming or the experiences that you've had um, that maybe you don't necessarily love. Now, I love what what we get to bring forward next because this is going to get your wheels turning as we think about identity. Identity is really anything that you would put after the phrase, I am. I am a painter, I am a mom, right? We kind of talked about that early, encompasses all of these different things. But think about how many things you can put after the statement, I am. You can put behaviors after that, right? I am a procrastinator, I am a runner, I am a drinker, right? All of these things are behaviors that you can put after I am that are indicating of what you believe your identity to be. You know, the converse there is also true that when you're searching for what is your identity, that I am is just as important as I am not. I am not an angry person. I am not a drinker. I am not uh, a runner. I, I We saw a post once um, that was about Thanksgiving. They said, your family's either the people who drink all night on Wednesday and wake up hungover on Thursday for Thanksgiving, or your family's the one out doing the 5K. And we looked at each other and we said, we want our identity of a family to be the family that's doing the 5K. And this year on Thanksgiving, we didn't do a 5K, but we did do a two-mile hike in the beautiful Redwood Forest. Oh, we so enjoyed it. That is uh, such a great dimension to bring forward. Anything that you would uh, identify that you are are not. I am not a gambler. I am not a Hawaiian, right? I There's all kinds of things that you identify as I am not. Another one is emotions, right? Uh, there's lots of us who say, oh, oh, I'm an anxious person, or I'm a bubbly person, or I'm a determined person. I'm a serious person. Uh, we heard a student yesterday in class say, I'm a reclusive person, right? So there are certain um, emotions that we identify with. You know, for example, on that shy, uh, I am a very bubbly and very energetic person. And I've never been the type of person who's uh, identified as an anxious person. But I am the type of person who experiences the emotion of anxiety. I've never identified with it, which is just interesting. Um, but I but I do experience that emotion. And sometimes my identity of being bubbly and friendly and loving can clash up against that welling of emotion inside of anxiousness. That is a fascinating personal uh, reflection and, and hopefully spurred some personal reflections for you. When we come back, we'll dive more into some of these different encompassing traits that count as your identity. Do you find yourself losing control of your scroll on social media? If you do, then you want to stay tuned to join the Simply Social Club with Kay and I. We've got an awesome challenge for you where you have the opportunity to detox from social media for 48 hours, seven days, 14, or even 31 days right along Shyla and I. So go to kandshy.com slash simply social and find out a little bit more and hopefully you'll take a pledge alongside us. We'll see you in 2023. See you in the club. One of our proudest business accomplishments is what we've been able to do with Squeeze In Franchising. The Squeeze In is a breakfast lunch restaurant featuring the best omelets on the planet, and it's been around for almost 50 years. And now you can have a Squeeze In in your community. We've seen how this business transformed our families, and now we are so excited to offer this to families around the country to see how this little restaurant might change their family and their community. If you're wondering how to set up your adult children for legacy and success through a small business, then the Squeeze In is an option we urge you to consider. Come find out more about Squeeze In franchising at squeezein.com. 
You're enjoying this episode on Angel Phoenix Productions Podcast Network. To explore a complete lineup of quality programs and media production services, head on over to angelphoenix.com or like our Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash Angel Phoenix Productions. Another dimension to consider when it comes to your identity is the dimension of faith. How do you express your faith and how does that express in your identity? You can say, I am a Muslim or I am a spiritual person, but these two things hold completely different weight. You might say, uh, I'm a shaman versus I'm a Christian and they mean different things. And our society knows that those two things have different connotations and that you as a person will have a behavior set that's different as a result of that faith. And so this is just one dimension of your identity that can be an important one to examine as you're thinking about who you are and the characteristics that make up well, you, right? I think about something that we hear quite often uh, lately is I'm not a religious person, but I am a spiritual person. And so even using that juxtaposition gives uh, uh, anyone who hears that a lot of contextual um, idea about the identity of the person who's saying that. Another way uh, that we tend to identify ourselves is through our income or class level, right? So uh, I'm a minimum wage earner or I'm middle class, right? So we're talking about income. It's just one of those ways, whether we're vocalizing it or not, that as we take inventory of our identity, what would you put in terms of income after the statement, I'm a... Well, what's really interesting about this income piece is that it absolutely can get influenced in a big way by that institution of family. The way that you saw your parents handle money, the way that money was discussed growing up or or dealt with in your environment or amongst people around you gives you a completely different view of your identity set in relation to income and money. And if your identity is so deep that it drives your behavior, if you have an identity as a minimum wage earner, you now have to work against the habit structures that are already in place, reinforcing this identity piece for you and build new habits in the identity space of being a person of wealth. But you understand how deeply this goes, right? This is something that if you are feeling a lack of abundance in your life, chances are this could be something to dig into. It might be an identity issue. Oh, I think that was really powerful. And thinking about that, uh, you, you know, as you said, uh, I'm a bubbly person and, and I experience the emotions of anxiousness means that that's not something that you're you're maybe internally fixated on that you're going to attach identity to because you're not putting the I am statement in front of it. So when you come to the question of income, the fact might still be that you earn minimum wage. But if you fill out the sentence, I'm a minimum wage earner, that is an alarm bell for you internally that that's part of your identity and that there is something, as Kay said, to dig in a little bit deeper so that you can examine that and fix it so that you can allow the abundance to unleash more fully. But let's get back to these different dimensions of identity because they are fascinating. Think about how you identify in terms of your physical appearance. When you think about your physical appearance, what comes after I am? Oh, well, this, okay. I saw a video recently that was very, very interesting that talked about social favor when it came to hair color hierarchy and that the way that somebody's hair is dyed or the color of their hair can actually influence whether they're treated more favorably by other people. Then the rankings go blonde, brunette, redhead, black hair. 
But blondes have an even separated level within blondes between those who are naturally blonde and those who have to dye their hair to get that blonde. Now, this is such an interesting thing because there's an identity that comes along with that hair color that many people will assume. Now, it might not be the stereotypical identity that you're thinking of, but this identity is personal because what they think being a blonde or a redhead or brunette or a black haired person means comes to them and helps to show shape their behavior when they are wearing that particular hair color. So our societal expectations and definitions of hair color hierarchy have real effects on people's behavior when they change their hair color. I know being blonde is absolutely part of my identity. I wouldn't say I have blonde hair. I would say I am a blonde. In fact, after I got married, I thought for fun, I'm going to dye my hair dark brown. And I was terrified of the result. I absolutely hated it. And I realized how much of my identity was part of that hair color. And then I love it. And then I wanted to keep it going and went back to the blonde. She actually didn't even go like dark brown. It was like dishwater blonde. Yeah. So she just went like three steps down. That was like, no, <laughs> no way. Right. That, that's too much part of my identity. Right. Or think about if you say like, oh, I'm a short person or I'm very tall or, uh, you know, even those kind of physical characteristics, I'm very awkward. Right. Those kinds of things. When you think about your physical appearance, what is it that you put after I am? I am fit or I am fat or, or I am clumsy. Right. Yeah, all kinds of different things. All right, moving on. The next one is possessions. Think about how what you would put after I am. I am a homeowner. I'm a car owner. I'm a business owner. I'm a pet owner. Although it feels weird calling them a position, but uh possession. Yeah. Yeah. It does feel weird calling them a possession, right? (laughs) It feels weird calling the business a possession too. It's more of like a living thing. It seems. (laughs) Yeah. A dependent, (laughs) (laughs) but we can't claim it on our taxes like that. (laughs) And sometimes it even makes us money, which any good business should do. But thinking about that possession in alignment with that, what's that profession? What would you put after I am? I am a writer. I am an aspiring entrepreneur. I am a business owner. What are those things that you identify as your profession that comes after that. Again, those threads of your identity coming together to build the cloth of who you present yourself to be. Another dimension that plays into this is your role, right? The role that you have and that you play. In fact, I was just talking with Shiloh earlier that one of my identity things that I act out in my life is the role of our family administrator. I don't know where along the lines, honestly, probably this happened in our family's house because our mom was the administrator. She handled all of the paperwork. Families, the mom is the administrator. then this is a societal expectation. And frankly, sometimes I get kind of mad at the societal oh, I expectation. <laughs> I get so, I, I don't want to do all of the paperwork bull crap. Like how much logistics and paperwork come along with, with having school? kids? Oh my gosh, school. And like getting their s- paperwork in the beginning when they're born. Like, oh, it's so much work. So that's something that we at this time in our lives have to put after the (laughs) I am statement when it comes to roles. I am a household administrator. (laughs) For now. For now. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Well, think about our titles as well, right? I'm a senior producer. I'm a a vice president. I'm a co-chair of the board. Those titles matter to us, especially as we go to introduce ourselves and present that identity. So all kinds of different dimensions here that we just brought forward. Hopefully you were thinking of your identity soup 
as we presented all of these different things and what you would put after those I am statements so that you can get a clearer picture of who it is that you, that you believe yourself to be and what are some of those areas you might want to program to something else. Now, researchers have correlated a direct connection between someone's sense of self and strength of their identity and their confidence. So if you are maybe feeling less than confident or like you have some room to grow in your level of confidence, this is a really great place to start. Even if you take a look at your identity and you find things that maybe you're not so proud of, just knowing who you are and and, and not like, who am I? But knowing what your roles are, what you claim, what kind of emotions you claim for yourself, what kind of faith you claim for yourself, how you talk about your income, the way you identify with your physical appearance. When you think about it from these more practical dimensions than necessarily trying to answer this question, who are you? You start to get a sense of that picture of who you are. And ultimately, it gives you more of that sense of self and can help you build your confidence. Now, once we move into personal growth and development and into this realm and body of work, we start to see just that power of identity. If you've ever heard of what a keystone is, it is the middle piece of an arch and an arch will get built like this. And none of the pieces will be able to stand up on their own until a very middle piece is placed in that holds the weight equally from both sides and holds the arch together. That's what the keystone is. And as we look at human psychology and behavior dynamics and neuroscience, how do we get ourselves to change and do the things and stop doing the things we shouldn't do and do the things we should do? That keystone piece is really the identity. So if you're looking to circumvent all kinds of different things, go for that identity, which means really examining where you are right now, knowing what all of those I am statements. And then as we'll get to talk about through the mini-sodes this week, identifying what those I am statements are for the future you and what it can look like, which is a really exciting, fun, and interactive process we know you're going to love. Look, Tony Robbins says that identity is the strongest force in the human personality. So we have an opportunity to really dig deep and go dive in with each other this week on the Kay and Shy Show. This is coming at you with love from your very favorite sisters, Kay and Shy. This podcast was a production of Angel Phoenix Productions. Explore more episodes of this show or other great shows on the Angel Phoenix Podcast Network by visiting angelphoenix.com. The views expressed in this show do not necessarily represent those of Angel Phoenix Productions or its advertisers and may contain language that's unsuitable for younger listeners.